Hello, and welcome to this edition of Towards a Smarter World. This is your host, Cruz Saunders, and I'm joined today by Hilary Marsh, President and Chief Strategist of The Content Company, a content and digital strategy consultancy. I've been following Hillary for some years. She has tremendous insight into content strategy and works with organizations on content creation, governance, management, promotions, including across a lot of association and nonprofit clientele. She's been in the space since 1999 and developed and taught a graduate level content strategy course for the user experience design master's program at Kent State University. She's speaking at national and international conferences as a thought leader, and we are going to be glad to hear from her today. She'll also be at LavaCon, which is coming up at the end of October in this 2018 calendar year. And we're looking forward to seeing her there as well as she gets a feel for the uh, technical communicators and other aspects of content strategy from a different vantage point. So uh, Hillary, we're really glad that you could be here today. Why don't we start just broadly um, about content itself? When we talk about content, what in your mind is content? Thanks so much. I'm really, first of all, glad to be here today, Cruz, and um, excited to finally have a good long conversation with you because I feel like we've known each other for a long time but haven't had that opportunity to do that yet. And it's good that we're starting at the beginning because I think that the discussion about what content is and why don't we know that already leads to the discussion about what content strategy is. So content, I like to say that content is the way that our work is manifested in the world. And I say that because it was, I found that clients were struggling to talk about strategy for what. And they think sometimes, um, not only potential clients of mine, but people out there in the world think of content as this stuff off to the side that maybe the communications department creates or the marketing department creates, but they don't realize that it is our work. And And so content is at the core of what we do. So it's our events and our products and programs and services. And I think that different kinds of content have given rise to different professions, you know, service design. What is that really at its heart? But um, a lot of that is content strategy for services, which is different than content strategy for products or content strategy for support information, but it's all content at the end of the day, whether it's something we deliver to people through words on a page, whether that's a printed page or a web page or a video or a podcast like this one or a blog post or face-to-face or on a phone call. It's all content. And content strategy is bringing all of those kinds of content together in a holistic way so that it, it's kind of aware, done in, done in a place of awareness of what else exists, who the organization is that's providing it, and the needs and um, context for the audience that is consuming it, whether it's choosing to buy the product or buy it again or recommend it to somebody else or pay membership dues to that association or any goal that we actually have. I'd love to talk a little bit more about the word you just brought up, context. So you're 
indicating this relationship between content and context. Can you talk a little bit more about context itself? What is that? And well, how does that, a content strategist work with it? So that, get, that gets a little bit into brand, right? It, humans aren't generic and organizations aren't generic either. For example, I might say, I said to one client, hey, you know, good news, you don't have to be Google. You don't have to share with your audience every fact there is to say that, you know, the FDA might be producing on this topic. What your members want to know from you is what does your organization think about this topic? And that's important because it's both context of why are you telling me this and what is it that you uniquely, your organization wants me to know from you and do because you're sharing this information. There's also the other layer of context in truly knowing who your audience is and what they need from you and how they need it. So if your audience is academics, they may have all the time in the world to read your 64-page PDF and where you start at the beginning, you tell the entire backstory and then you tell them the facts that they want to know and then you go on for more depth. But if they're in a rush or reading it in their spare time or needing to know the little tidbit of what they need to do today, then that 64-page PDF is not really helping them because maybe the information they want is on page 38, but they don't know. So um, context is, is who you are, who they are, what you have, what they're going to do with it, all those kinds of things. As we start talking about personalization, context becomes so important, especially the, the user context or the reader context yes. or the customer context. Absolutely. So, so one of the other pieces in there and that question that I ask all the time and I truly feel like a two-year-old is why. Why are you publishing this? Why do you have this initiative? Why are you telling this person this bit of information at this moment? And you know, I find that often it's a new line of questioning, which is surprising. But until we have the answers to questions like that, we can't determine together, the client and I in partnership, what can you stop publishing? What would people just drink up as much as you have? And what do you need to rethink in terms of what you're putting out there in the world and how? Mm. This catalyzation uh, for thinking through content in a new way. It yeah. seems like it's very central to the role of the content strategist. Can you talk a little bit more about other roles of the content strategist? Well, I use the word practices a lot. This is about your content, but more than that, it's about your content practices. So it's how your work gets manifested in the world through content. How are you choosing your channels? How well, are your people talking to each other? Oh, they're not. That's interesting. I can tell by looking at your content. I can tell your people aren't talking to each other because they're publishing redundant content or they're keeping online everything they've ever published or they're just throwing it up there. And, you know, this page had seven unique page views in the past year. You know, is that good? But you asked me a different question. You asked, what are the different roles of the content strategist? Yeah, content strategist wears so many hats and, yeah. and, and I, I wonder if you could speak to some of them. 
Sure. It's sort of a truism in the content strategy world that it's a form of therapy. And it, and it really is because it really gets to all of those answers to the questions of why. And it reveals, you know, internal communications. So a content strategist is often a facilitator. I like to draw the parallel of content strategist to uh, orchestra conductor. And I like to say that just like in an orchestra, if every instrument or instrumental section were doing their own thing in their own way, it would just be cacophony. But if they have a conductor and they're playing the same piece of music, their mutual contributions add incredible richness and depth more than they would have if they were by themselves. So that orchestra conductor metaphor of bringing everybody together and having it be the same piece of music for the audience's sake, that's really the heart of what it is. I, as a content strategist, I focus a lot on thinking about the kind of operations, governance, how does it get there, internal communications, the idea of a central content calendar, so the pieces of glue, because to me that is the biggest challenge out there is that everything's happening alone instead of together. Uh, there are other content strategists who certainly have other strengths that I might bring into partner with me on certain projects. Um, whether it's people with strengths and personas, which I do lead, but sometimes it makes more sense to bring somebody else in. Taxonomies, which again, I do lead, but sometimes it makes sense to bring in somebody with a different set of expertise. Um, content models, same thing. So those are different kinds of skills that are complementary, um, but, uh, but maybe different. I also focus a lot in my work on the quality and readability of the content you're creating so that it can resonate with the audience you're publishing it for. Mm. I love the visual of the orchestra conductor. It's, um, it's one we're familiar with it at A as well. We talk about orchestrating um, structure and semantic standards. So on the technical side, um, you know, so that content can, can flow from, um, usage to usage and channel to channel uh, without manual transformation. And so that uh, is true on the strategy side too, uh, that sounds like orchestration of message and, and continuity of purpose uh, for the content uh, that starts with that context you're talking about. So we're right. carrying forward context into guiding that that purpose for authors. What What is the relationship between the content strategist and the rest of the content team, all of the authors that are involved in, in creating content and other stakeholders in the content lifecycle? Yeah, so I think that my role in a project, because at some point I walk away, my role in a project is sometimes to magnify the voices of the content authors who already see what, how it should work, but don't have the internal buy-in for that. So part of my role is often to help them get that internal buy-in. And if the organization's investing in and, out, and bringing in somebody from the outside, they're often kind of primed already to do it, do things differently, do them better. But ultimately, I believe that the subject matter experts need the content authors and, the, and vice versa. So it's got to be a partnership for the content to be truly successful. The subject matter experts have depth. And I gave a talk years ago at Confab and had an image on the screen of your typical 
farm silos that we talk about so, so, so very much. And I said, respect the depth and sort of respect that expertise that comes out of the silos, but help those people see that they need you as well. So the organization invests in that depth because it benefits the audience, but it usually needs translation. It usually needs somebody with expertise or a team with expertise in bringing that information to light to make that program shine. And so often I'm facilitating relationship, better relationships between publishing experts, if you will, and subject matter experts. Interesting. Okay. And what, what do you think represents the adjectives you would use to describe that effective team of content producers? The qualities in the individuals? Well, I mean, <laughs> honestly, sometimes they, they were very different. Uh, the, the cultures of each of our internal departments were very different. So sometimes they were cajoling and reading between the lines about initiatives that a, a department had that they might not have even been aware needed to go on the website, but everything really needed to go on the website. Sometimes they were um, really trying to get permission to do their jobs well, to fix the content or make it more likely to resonate and be used by the audience so that the program itself could shine. And sometimes they were just facilitating conversations between one department and another. So, you know, those are very non-technical skills and very non, really not first and foremost about the writing itself, but about all the thinking and the practices behind it. Mm. That makes sense. What do you think the components are of a great content strategy? Part of it is, the, uh, so a content strategy statement basically exists to tie the content back to its bigger role in the organization. And we do that through um, basically a Mad Lib, Mad Lib kind of format that Sarah Walker Betcher invented. She was the first person I know of anyway who created this. Other people have have talked about it and used it as well, but um, I think it originated with her. And the statement is, here's how we would describe our content, and here's how we would describe the, how it makes the audience feel. And doing that through the lens of why do we have this content at all, helps give kind of a flavor to our content and bring to life our reasons for having it and creating it. So this is what our content is. Here's what it's intended to do. Here's, I forgot that part. And here's how it makes people feel. And so, and the components are really digging into each of those. Who are we, the organization producing it? What is it we're producing and why? And what do we want to happen as a result of that? And what does the audience want to happen? And so embedded in that are things like success metrics. So what will constitute success for this content? And, and as I said a few minutes ago, that's sometimes a new line of questioning. I find that for the organizations I work with, sometimes their idea of success is that it's out there. And yet 
okay, now it's out there, now what? If two people look at it or it got seven unique page views in the past year, is that good? Are we happy with that? And how do we know if we're happy with it if we didn't have a goal to begin with? You know, there's a great quote that I use in my presentations all the time. Mike Powers, who works at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, which is a funny name of a college, but that's the name of the school where he works. And he says, page views are not your goal. The goal is the goal. And that gets it to the same thing of why do we have this content? And really, why do we have this program? So we have this event because we want people to sign up for it. Okay, well, did the content help with that? Did people take the action we wanted them to take, which is did the wrong people not sign up for it and the right people sign up for it? So we have to dig deeper than just page views to find out whether we achieved our goals and what role content played in that. Mm. We've been having this discussion just over and over recently with, um, with enterprises that are dealing with page-based everything, page-based authoring, page-based analytics, page-based thinking, and it ends up translating into a lot of metrics that we can't actually use to optimize the customer experience with just optimizing pages. And we look at assets, content assets, which don't really live on pages anymore. They're represented or assembled into pages, but the asset is something that that lives kind of in a lot of places. It ends up being on the, the mobile app and the, 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 the watch and the, vo- the, the voice version of the, the content and, and multiple, you know, geographic uh, localizations of the, of the content or market segment versions or personalization versions. So the asset lives independently of the page. So this whole regime around, you know, page-based analytics is is just not not useful anymore. I think it used to be. I think, you know, I think it 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 gives us some proxy for interest in the, in a particular um, topic. If if that if the page quote unquote is 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 associated with a particular um, idea, we can we can begin to to track interest in in certain kinds of content, but. But if we had an asset-based approach to analytics, I think we'd have a lot more ins- real insight to, to drive the strategic uh, conversation and, and the optimization process. Yeah, I find sometimes that it's outside the content world altogether. So for example, so because I do work with lots of associations, their metric might often be member satisfaction. So how do we know that if we publish you know, or do, is it true that if we publish more news articles that our members will feel like they've gotten more value out of their membership? So, you know, sometimes we just have to benchmark and learn where we started out and then do a thing and figure out whether that moved the needle. So part of it is that we don't always know where we're going to go, but we're never going to be able to have any kind of metrics unless we start by documenting where we are today. Mm, Yep, indeed. So Um, I don't know whether that translates exactly to kind of a more product-focused company, but certainly the 
So the organizations I work with, the things that they have in common is that they are about the content. So I work with intranets. I work with associations. I work with higher education, university sometimes. And so those are very much not entities with marketing people and tech support and some of the common departments or divisions that other kind of more product focused enterprises would have. The organizations that I work with, their content is what they do. Switching ideas, um, what, what, how technical should content strategists be? You're probably not going to be surprised at my answer, but for me, it's not about the technology because technology changes so quickly. I'm more in the driving the car place than I am in the look under the hood place. And I always have been. I mean, at one point I helped organizations choose content strategy. So before I worked at the National Association of Realtors, I was independent from 2001 to 2005. And during that time, CMS selection was one of the things I helped with sometimes, but it was always from a business perspective. So whether it used this kind of code or that kind of code, it didn't matter. I, I was on the side of, is this helping the business accomplish what it wants to accomplish? I was leaving the how part always to IT. So as technical as I ever got was determining content types and what templates the CMS would need to have. And, you know, I've given talks about that, that topic, which is technical, but not. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the reasons we've been so avid about introducing the content engineer or content engineering as a, as a practice independent of content strategy is that it's, it's, it's so related, but it's all about what's under the hood. Right. <laughs> and know. somebody needs to do that, but that's never been the, the thing that I've done. And I don't think you can have equal amounts of depth and practice and experience in all of the facets. And so, you know, I, I quickly realized that the part where I could feel like I would make the biggest difference was not in that piece. That makes a lot of sense. What guidance do you have for folks interested in a career in content strategy or new strategists getting started? Yeah, I've been giving that a ton of thought. I, as you said in my bio, I developed and taught the first graduate level content strategy course and worked with an instructional designer at Kent State to create this course. And I've been in the process for quite a long time of developing a content strategy school. And I'm learning a lot about best practices in online learning in addition to the work that I did. And so I think that there's a common core of skills to learn about content strategy. And they're kind of all the things that I've talked about already. But then it's also figuring out what are the pieces you're most passionate about. And people don't usually do content strategy right out of school. I think you need a degree of business savviness in order to do it. Um, I've seen a few exceptions, but not too many. So I guess for someone aspiring to be a content strategist, it would be go on Twitter, follow the content strategy hashtag, join the LinkedIn group that I uh, own with 31,000 people, or go on the Facebook content strategist group, which is pretty amazing, and learn and read from people's blog posts and 
people's writing. There are a lot of really smart people writing about all the different aspects of content strategy and see what speaks to you and, and reach out to the person. I mean, we're an approachable bunch and would be happy to have conversations about how we think about content strategy, what we think about content strategy. There's meetups in almost every city. I have a list of them on my website of all the meetups I know of and all the online content strategy groups as well. So there's so many sources to learn and soak up information. There's great books out there. There are conferences they can attend. It's very much a hands-on field more than it is a strictly academic field. You know, that might change over time. Uh, There's only one academic, full academic program that I know of, which is based in Austria. There are other courses offered in other contexts, whether it's strategic communications or storytelling, which is more of the marketing sort of side of things or user experience, um, because content strategy sort of has different kinds of next door neighbors, depending on which aspect you want to focus on. So it's really exploring it. I don't, that's sort of the simplest way I can sum it up. And thank you, Hillary, for everything you do to both catalyze the community around content strategy, help uh, make it a welcoming one for everybody involved, and also uh, get new content strategists started. That's uh, not not in uh, any one person's job description and the fact you've taken responsibility and, and, and the leadership role in, in the community has been uh, really instrumental for a lot of, a lot of people in the industry. So thanks for, for doing that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I feel really passionate about sharing what I know in every venue I can think of. You wrote a question on social one time. You're not a content strategist. If, <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of put that up almost like a random question on Twitter and tons of people replied. I thought oh, it would be fun. And people had great answers. I put it on LinkedIn and I put it on my website. And so you're not a content strategist if, for example, if one of the things that I said is if you're not involved in discussion about why the organization is producing the content you write. Other people had other amazing answers that if you're recommending solutions that are not actually possible to do and sustain, or if you think tools can solve content strategy problems, that was one of my favorite answers. If you don't think about how content is created, managed, and delivered from Scott. Yep. Abel. Yep. No, there were great answers. I loved all the answers. If you think governance is a big bag of rules. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, If you think content is just about marketing, you know, or, you know, from another side of the community about uh, uh, documentation or technical communications, I don't think, you know, this idea that the content is belongs to one department or something, I think is. is Yeah, I mean, I agree a hundred times with that. Because I think a lot of companies do that. They think, oh, content, that's something that the communications folks do. It's not what I do, but that's not true. And, you know, so for example, in the organizations I work with, one of the uh, departments that they usually have is a department that, that advocates for the profession on Capitol Hill or at a state level or whatever their focus might be. And so those people are so deep in their expertise. They're really good at what they do. They do really important work, 
but they'll say, we published a comment letter about HR 432B. And I'm like, please, can you please speak English? Because I don't understand what any of that meant. And meanwhile, it's an, it's an issue that's of, of integral importance to the organization, but this is not a communications department problem. It's a translation problem. Yeah, there's a need to recognize content conversations that are happening between the organization as a whole and the public. Yes, yes, and yes. Stitch that together wherever they're happening inside of an organization. And I, I, it seems to me like the true content strategists, the ones with it in their bones, have an instinct to try to connect those conversations into a coherent whole, not just kind of meet the editorial objectives of a particular department. Uh, no, no, no. What you just said, stitching it all together, that is the essence of content strategy. Content strategy is, the, so the definition I learned, I learned two definitions in 1999 that, were, that are still so very true. One is content strategy is the who, what, when, where, why, and how of, of publishing information. And Part of the, and, and my roots are in publishing. That's how I started my professional career. And so rather than just writing, this is about like being the editor in chief or the orchestra conductor of everything. And so what that means is a sense of prioritization and, and of connection as well. So that stitching it together is why it exists at all. And extracting that value out of the mind of the subject matter expert and translating it for the audience and putting it into the context of what everybody else is doing gets back to the organization's strategic goals. So that is a perfect segue to what are some of the signs we can talk, we can look to, to prove to executives that a content strategy is effective. So, so I just, I'm in the last stages of completing a, a big research project, content strategy research project, looking at how associations are adopting content strategy. So their adoption rate, maturity rate, and that kind of thing. And one of the things that I did was interview four different CEOs to ask them that very question, because I wanted to make sure that our presentation about our research wasn't designed with an audience of communicators in mind, but rather of an audience with CEOs in mind. So I called, you know, CEOs who I know and respect and asked them, how do they know? And, and it was really interesting that their answers were felt really fell into two buckets. One is that the, the things that they offer were more successful. Um, and two is that the governance was such that everybody knew what role they played so that the CEO wasn't getting, you know, sort of that arbiter role and wasn't put in the position of being a mediator between different groups who both, you know, thought, oh, my content's the most important. No, my content is the most important. And those kind of conversations really should never get to the CEO level. So content strategy is effective when the operations of it run smoothly and when the results are what the organization wanted. What are some of the steps that we can take to make 
content strategy a part of an organization's operations uh, overall if it's not already? Who should take the lead driving that, that change? I mean, that was one of the things we probed in our, in our study as well. It looks different depending on who's in charge. It looks different. Content strategy looks different if a marketer is leading the effort or communications or in the association world, I have found more than one instance where the people came from education. And so if you think about an association at, in, at the biggest picture level, it exists to educate its members. And maybe that's through a magazine or maybe it's through news or maybe it's through anything, but you know, you could see it in some way that education is why that organization exists. And, you know, I think that mostly true. I, I think that it's sort of bigger than that. But so those were the biggest uh, areas we found in terms of who is leading content strategy. And usually the person who's leading it is the person who sees that the organization could go further and be more successful or retain more members or attract more members if its content were more cohesive. So it's whoever gets that light bulb of a thought is the person who tends to lead the effort and make the passionate business case to the CEO about why it's important to invest in this effort because that's how we're going to work together and mitigate the threats from for-profit organizations. Oh, interesting. I mean, does that resonate with you and what you're hearing from your company as well? You know, in the enterprise, it's a little different because we're, we have so many tiers involved and the strategy usually doesn't make it all the way to the sea level as a, as, as a chartered initiative. It is mostly being enacted in the enterprise within silos. And so the reporting up to a CMO or reporting up to a VP or somebody responsible for customer experience. And so the people leading and innovating change and, and progressing systems around content are sometimes kind of director, director level, sometimes VP level, and occasionally um, we have been working with C-level folks, CMO, uh, CIO types. But creating the cross-functional, cross-enterprise conversation is the, the real challenge, uh, especially as we look to enact change within content systems. A lot of that change depends on cross-functional conversations, some of which are just getting off the ground in a committee mm-hmm. or some other kind of of uh, mutual recognition among peers that these problems aren't going away by themselves in terms of the, the scaling issues around content and, and the challenges that everybody's dealing with trying to publish more material than ever to more places than ever. It's out of those kinds of conversations that we're seeing the recognition of the need for cross-functional orchestration yep. roles yep. And, and the content strategy conversation is it just naturally emerges from that so but so to some degree i think that the fact that our technical tools aren't serving us well is kind of a symptom of the fact that people aren't working together and creating 
content in a common way and having a common understanding of top priority audiences and having a a common understanding of how their work fits into and supports the organization's goals. You know, how it, it just works its way down into, right, and our content doesn't even sound like it's from the same organization and has nothing in common with the way those people are creating their content over there. And we need to sort of start with the a root and build it back up in a new way, I think, to make it work better. For sure. I, I feel like the customer experience is so cross-functional nowadays that we can't have the luxury to silo anymore. We have to talk to everybody involved in that experience, whether it's um, pre-sales, post-sales, uh, the 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 lobbying folks, the operations folks, the people dealing with events, the people dealing with the, the people dealing with even internal kinds of functions like recruiting and onboarding and whatnot. All of those kind of experiences are dependent on content from different places if to create something that's coherent and meaningful to a customer. And you know, the trend we've been seeing within enterprises is, is at least content communities of practice mm-hmm. or centers of excellence mm-hmm. or knowledge sharing communities being formed just completely from a grassroots level in order to have those conversations. Yep. I really think that in order to make the biggest difference that ultimately we need to get the C-level involved from a leadership position in order to charter actual functional groups that transcend silos to help to stitch together strategy and engineering practices across the different parts of the organization. Yep. Um, one of the, th- the other things that I like to say is content strategy is an HR issue. So all the things that you were just talking about, which I spent a lot of time thinking about as well and talking about with my clients, get to both organizational culture, also how people's job descriptions are cast. For somebody to change their behavior and start participating in or championing the idea of a cross-silo or cross-departmental team, that has to be part of what they're measured on. Their internal success is measured on. If you want somebody to do something, you have to put it in their job description and, and motivate them and reward them for acting differently. So I think that the other piece that has to happen to make that possible is to change, is to reduce the volume of what you expect everybody to do and to remove the lowest value activities and content, if you will, from everyone's plate because we need the depth. We can't dismiss the value and critical importance of the depth of experience that anybody brings. And so if now they're going to also have to not look down in the depth, but also look across to put a better context in what they're doing, they need time for that. So instead of volume, we're probably talking about do less, but do it better so that we have time to do those cross-functional things that we must do to serve the audience better and must do to set that context better. Mm, Yeah, and also have time to be able to work on the process around the content. I mean, we are seeing departments being asked to deliver literally 
2x the content that they were last year in some cases. So they're, they're being asked to do more, you know, not less. And mm -hmm. those departments are also having to copy and paste that content into more usages. So they end up... Right. So having that whole process transformed will make a, an enormous difference in the time that they have to think about their work more creatively. Yeah. You know, I think the organizational leaders involved in setting forward the overall organization strategy would would do well to consider that expression of that strategy in the form of content. We call it content, but to your point at the very beginning of our discussion today, you know, it's it's an expression of the entire operating basis for an organization. Yep, right. And I really had trouble articulating it for so long, but I had to find a way to get across the point that we're not talking about something extraneous here. We're not, it is your work. It is the expression of the work of the organization. And, and, and that expression is what is creating the experiences for yeah. our customers and our members and our yes. candidates and, yes. and our stakeholders and our constituents. It, it is the expression of what we do that creates that experiential interface layer between the, the organization and the rest of the world. Right. So content is this experiential interface layer <laughs> for, yes. for everything a company is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I love this conversation. Thanks so much for your time. Sure. I'm looking forward to seeing you at LavaCon. What will you be discussing there? So the name of my talk, which I've given before, although I'm completely rethinking it this time, it's called um, Managing the Politics of Content. So it's very, very, very much along the lines of all the things we've been talking about today. Because content is political. And it's political because people who are responsible for creating a program or a product are passionate about what they do and they are not, first of all, rewarded for doing it differently or working with other people to do it or working in partnership. And they want, they're afraid of a threat from a person from outside of them in their own head. You know, they're, they're handing over their baby to somebody else. And that's the conversation that we have to change because by working together, we can get a better result for your thing. We're in partnership to help your program shine, but that is a new concept to someone who has deep subject matter expertise and who's been responsible before for soup to nuts from, create, from having the idea of the product to making sure it gets out there in the world, and it's hard for them to let go. And that's where the politics come in. And, and the need for trust and the need for thinking about your culture differently. Terrific. If our listeners would like to follow you and your work more closely, what is the best place for them to look? Probably Twitter. Okay. I, I do tweet a lot about the U.S. political environment because I cannot help myself because it's so very upsetting. But yes, probably Twitter or LinkedIn or my website, contentcompany.biz. Terrific. All right. And if you would like to see Hillary and myself um, at LavaCon, uh, check out the LavaCon website. There's a referral code that will get you a discount A-team. We hope that uh, we'll see you there. For those who are listening in on the podcast, we appreciate your 
participation in this in this conversation as well. Feel free to reach out with with further questions that we can pass on to to Hillary as she uh, helps to be such a wonderful center of gravity for for the content strategy uh, industry, which has evolved and changed so much since since she started. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for the talk today. I appreciate it.